Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, hey, property magicians. Good afternoon, everyone. I am flying solo today. I am Dr. Miranda. I am Dr. Miranda underscore prop doc mom on Twitter, on Instagram, and my Facebook page is just prop doc mom. Please go and like the page. I'm a property mentor and I am a doctor by day indeed, a medical doctor by day, and I'm a property mentor for beginners. I take people who are curious about property from being curious and fearful to becoming um, property investors. You join the PropDocMum uh, mentorship by going to propdocmum.com and all about mentorship is there and we have changed our prices. And if you've missed the, if you've been missing the low cost mentorship, you've missed it. The train has bolted. So we, we teach you how to get involved in property management, how to structure your, your, your property investment journey and how to find your first deal, how to deal analyze. We introduce you to your network or your power team, we call it. And, um, and you've got an opportunity to be in the Prop Doc Mom classroom, which is a private uh, Facebook group where I teach and, and, and where we discuss, um, we have strong Q&As about property. We deal from terminology of property investing to deal analysis. We repeat certain things and we talk about mechanisms of financing your property. So join the mentorship and it is made for everyone at any age, at any level of financial um, uh, uh, affordability. Today I'm flying solo and I am interviewing a young man called Thomas who happens to be uh, Vangile's current landlord. Vangile is in a long stay Airbnb apartment here in Johannesburg and Thomas is her landlord. They got talking and lo and behold, we end up with Thomas as our guest. You're going to enjoy this particular podcast. I really like how Thomas has been deliberate at 20 when he started his first job in month number 10 he had already put out an offer to purchase his first apartment and he knew that he was buying this apartment for property investing but that's because he had a mentor someone who had been doing this earlier than him two years into his um, into his property investment journey he is at apartment number 12. I really like that. And he has stayed with his Airbnb strategy pre-COVID, in COVID and post-COVID. And he'll tell you all about the challenges and the joys of having an Airbnb. Really, really loved this interview. I hope, I hope you enjoy it too. So I'd really love to have a moment of silence for Vangile this time. Um, he, her family has been violated. She is away with family right now, and it's, it's been a very, very hard week for her. So we chose to continue the podcast without her so that she can take time off. And this is the value of having two, two hosts 
who really, really enjoy doing this podcast and who really love bringing you the best quality of guests. I hope Bangile is doing well and her sister and her family. Let's get on to the show because I've got an awesome guest for you today. Shall we do that? Alrighty. Thomas, thank you again for coming to Property Magicians. Um, I'm so excited to meet you and excited to hear about your journey. You're going Great, to teach some me. people some, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much I can teach, but I can definitely speak about my experiences. Well, you know, incidentally, what we've been getting, the feedback we've been getting is that people learn from stories. So really what I'm looking for is your story, really not a lecture, just your story. So tell me, tell me about yourself and your background, Thomas. How did you end up in property? And, um, but wh where, where did you start? Did you know that you're doing property? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I did not plan to be um, a property investor when I was younger. Um, it was not, it was on the cards, not a, a dream I had at all. Uh, and actually, when I was young, I, I was very much into programming. And so okay. software engineering was, was my, my take. Um, okay. Started very young, probably around the age of, of nine or so um, with programming and getting into software engineering. I like um, that. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting journey. Um, learned a lot and I think the programming mindset is it's one that you know teaches you how to solve some problems and kind of took that going forward into an engineering degree um, okay. and and I graduated the engineering degree and I, I managed to land a job at at, at Amazon as oh. a software engineer mm -hmm. yeah so that that worked out pretty well um, and I guess after about a year or so of being employed, employed there, I, I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to be doing this forever. And okay. if I don't want to be doing it, I don't have a good alternative. And so okay. the question kind of came up of like, I'm, I'm uh, earning some capital now. I'm keeping it stored away, but perhaps there's something that I could do with it. Better that I can do. After yeah. only 12 months, I really want to call it by months, not by years. You said after a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was actually, a little, I guess, a little bit less. I started looking at property, uh, I guess, probably six months after being full-time employed. And uh, I guess I put my first offer down roughly eight or 10 months in. Um, yeah. So... Well, the kids were buying GTIs, um, uh, and Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I was never a fan of cars. <laughs> cars oh my gosh, my really? <laughs> yeah. By, so so when and why did you buy your first property? Did you know that you are investing in real estate? You did you intentionally think this is what I'm going to create as my alternative because I don't want to do this forever? Yeah. So when I when I started in property investing, I was actually just looking for for an, an alternative investment that um, oh. was a little bit more active than, for example, putting my money in stocks. And I, I kind see. of felt that at the time, putting my, my money into stocks was somewhat of a gamble and I had like almost no control of the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I, I had met a good friend of mine now um, who used to go to church with me and also coincidentally worked with me. And so we started having discussions about conversations. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so he, he was, you know, he's much older than me, probably, you know, 18 to 20 years older than me. Um, and okay. so he's, he owns a couple of properties. And so right. when he, when he spoke to me, he was more interested in property development. So he wanted to, you know, buy a piece of land and see if we could build some apartments on there. Right. And for a first time property investor, that's very intimidating. It I mean, is. I had no oh idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So it is. It's huge. I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm one to take risks, but I found that going from zero to building apartments yeah is is too large a step and so I, I said to him you know let's maybe start a bit smaller and see if if we can get some apartments mm-hmm. um and so i put my first offer down on a property when i was uh, 20 years old and wow. I'm, I'm 23 now yeah uh, and my por- portfolio is uh yeah 12 units across uh, five different properties Wow, that is amazing. Well, that is amazing for a 20-year-old who intentionally already knows that you are doing, doing investing because some people haven't even thought about investing at the time. So, and, and you were influenced by someone who was older. And have w- w- did you have an emotional journey about it? Were you scared, nervous, or just you just had enthusiasm of youth in doing that yeah i think i think it's 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 a bit of both so on the one hand i'm i'm young and so i'm i'm lucky enough that i don't have a ton of responsibilities i don't have children yeah. i don't have a family to take care of mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um i guess the thought that went through my mind there is in the absolute worst case i'm only impacting me you know i'm not I going see. to put my kids on the street i'm not going to leave anyone starving and I know, I know. i'm i'm pretty comfortable with sleeping sleeping on the street if, if that what if that's what what had to happen you know and, okay. and obviously I, that's not that's not what i'm aiming for that's not but, gonna happen of course <laughs> yeah you know and i think coming from that perspective it becomes a bit easier to take those risks yeah yeah just tell our listeners a little bit, Thomas. This is so, so juicy and interesting. What the financial uh, journey for you was um, doing this? What hurdles did you come across, if any? Was it difficult for you to raise finance? I mean, you're only 20, right? So where, where did you get a credit score that allowed you to do that? Yeah, so that's that's a good good question. I think... Um, part of it is that I'm, I'm lucky enough to to be employed at a place where where I get paid quite well, and so yeah. um, my salary is enough to to absorb um, a fair amount of debt. The other part of it is I I focused on uh, lower value properties. I, I did not want to go and buy a two and a half million rand house as my first property. And so my first property was actually an apartment in four ways um, right. for 580,000 Rand. Are which, there anything 500,000 properties in four ways? Really? Yeah, there are. And if you negotiate hard enough, you can definitely get them. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So that is so good. So, so are you saying that your negotiation skills are also sharp like that? I, I wouldn't say they're, they're great. And actually my business partner is much better at it than I am. Okay. Um, but I'm, I, I don't very rarely have anything to lose. Right. So there's no harm yeah. in asking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, my dad told me it was, when I was growing up quite frequently yeah. was, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And so I just asked. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. I like that very much. And sometimes you ask and you are tentative. And this person has been expecting in any case that someone will ask and will ask a ridiculous price or something like that. And the worst they can do is just say no, right? Yes, exactly. A, yeah. You know? So so tell me, when the leap came for you to buy the second property, was it difficult? What is that financial process? You were just beginning to tell me about that. Mm. Yeah, so I, I actually went from, from zero to three properties in the span of a few months. Yeah, oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. by the time I, I put, I think it was probably a month or two after I had put off on the first property, uh, yeah. you know, put offers on two more properties. And so yeah. uh, I think it, the first property was in, the offer was put in on July, 2019. And then right. by February, 2020, um, all three properties had transferred already. Oh, wow. That's, oh my, yes. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that, that's amazing. So you didn't have a big, huge hurdle with, with the banks. Are you, fi- oh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you are financing through the banks or are you financing them cash? Um, yeah, so they're, they're all financed through the banks. Um, and actually, um, the first three properties I got on 100% bonds. And oh, yeah. You were a first-time buyer. Okay. Yeah, Sweet. so mm-hmm. managed to get them at, at pretty good rates, all just below prime, I think. And oh, nice. know, I think that's very lucky. And part of that is because you know the properties are are quite low value. I think if they were higher value properties, we wouldn't have gotten the rates we wouldn't that have we got. Gotten them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were you purchasing them with your partner or are you saying you were purchasing, he was just guiding your process, but you were purchasing them for yourself? Um, so I purchased them with him. And so in terms of, of risk management on my side, that's that's great, you know, because I have someone who's bought into the property who can, who can work with me. And then I think also... Um, on the side of the bank, um, the bank views that as much lower risk, right? Because now you have the affordability of of uh, two people to contribute joint, to each property. Yeah, joint affordability. I like that. I like that very much. I hear you. So, so this is great. But did you have a strategy in place? What, what was the strategy? You were just buying to rent out? Or did it did it just happen by fluke that you ended up Airbnb ing them? Yeah, so so when we first purchased them, we um, I guess the criteria we had there was that they had to be cash flow positive, and so we did not want to take on properties um, that yeah. we would be paying every month out of pocket, um, and so we found properties that were on the low end of the spectrum. Uh, okay. seem to be more likely to to be cash flow positive, okay. and so we started with those uh, with the aim of being of doing them as long term rentals. Okay. 
That was the and, strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we came to it, the long-term rentals were, were what we were aiming for, but we had some, you know, really tough experiences with long-term tenants. Um, mm. Mm. So that, that made it really, really difficult. And um, I, I didn't actually mention this earlier, but um, we, we both resided in Cape Town and all the properties are in Joburg. And so managing them from Cape Town is, is not easy. Yeah. My gosh, what? And are you still in Cape Town? Yeah, so I'm still working in Cape Town and I fly up to Joburg quite frequently. Um, I have, most of my properties are, are in Joburg, but I have I recently acquired one here in Cape Town. And Cape so Town. I've been flying back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why, why Johannesburg? Why, why the hell Johannesburg when you are in Cape Town? You, 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 that's broke every rule about property investing everyone tells you you really must begin where you are at you must really really begin where you're at why did you break that rule why, why was it easy to to think no not Cape Town well so I, I grew up in Joburg so so Joburg oh, wasn't see. a foreign place um, I see right so that definitely contributed to it and the, mm-hmm. the other major as- aspect there was that we were aiming for cash flow positive properties. Yeah. And what I found was that properties in Cape Town uh, tend to be valued much higher and yeah. the rental income very rarely covers, you know, your expenses if you're on a hundred percent bond. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was just not something that I wanted to take on in, in Cape Town at the time. Uh, and so mm. Joburg was much more appealing. Mm-hmm. And you, you are familiar with the place. I think that's very, very important, right? You are familiar with Johannesburg. So when someone tells you it's a 400,000 apartment in, in, in four ways, you already know, well, I'm getting good value for four ways. Let me, let me have a look. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, so you were talking about the long-term, long-term rental was, was the strategy initially. Did you have to pivot from that strategy? And why did you pivot if you did? Yeah, so long-term rentals was what we went in with. And yes, we actually, so when the properties transferred, we we kept on one of the tenants in, in one of the properties. I see. Mm-hmm. And so when, when it transferred, we had a whole lot of headache trying to get the tenant to pay. And also the fact that she was there already uh, meant that made it hard. Uh, you know, made it hard to to get her out, and so we ended up actually flying up from Cape Town one day um, just to go speak to her and say, "Hey, look, like you you need to pay rent, or or you need to get out, or leave." Yeah, yeah, and so that that kind of put uh, a, damper. A, a damper on the on the whole long term rental, and so. Oh. The day after, after she had left, we right. we converted it into an Airbnb in the next twenty four hours. So we did a big, big trip to Macro, bought a whole bunch of stuff, you know, a bed, TV, fridge, everything, furnished okay. the apartment, and I think within you know two days or so, we had an Airbnb listing. Um, yeah, we we had spoken about Airbnb. Briefly, but at the time we thought, yeah, we thought it was it was too too risky. You know, we we didn't know if it would be a a stable enough income. It was too much ambiguity up front. Um, Yeah, 
And so and this is 2019, it. isn't it? Yeah, so this was... So it's pre-COVID. Um, yeah, so we, we started <laughs> pre-COVID and then, you know, we've been continuing from then uh, throughout COVID and then, you know, now in, in, into this year. And, and obviously, I think the whole tourism industry took, took quite a hit during COVID. Quite I mean, hit down. Mm. Yeah, hard mm. lockdown. There were a good few months where where we were not getting any guests, obviously. Okay. Um, so I think it was, it was a risk that we were willing to take, and I think we've, we've learned a lot. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. stretched us quite a bit. It did. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. So let's talk about that specifically. Um, while COVID was in full swing, were all your three units uh, vacant, or did you have a few guests or, or, or little little bookings? What, what, how was it for you? Was it total desert, or did you have any guests at all? Yeah, so we, we had, um, across the three apartments, we had one guest who was there for a long-term stay. And so ah, she was okay. actually there from, uh, from India March. for... Mm-hmm. for March, I think. And then yeah. towards the end of March, she kind of panicked and had to leave because obviously she didn't want to be stuck here um, during hard lockdown. And so she ended up leaving halfway through the month. And, you know, there was, I think, a period of roughly two months or so where it was hard lockdown, no tourism allowed, no Airbnbs right. allowed. Right. And so, um, we, you know, as, as it goes in the tourism industry in December time, we had performed really well. And so we kind of accumulated a, a bit of a buffer. And so we oh, managed awesome. to stick it out through those two months. And when we reopened, you know, obviously mm-hmm. with that came a whole lot of safety precautions and we had to yeah. train our yeah. staff to, you know, make sure that, that things are clean. Okay. Um, okay. I really want us to talk about that a little bit, um, uh, Thomas, because most people here, hear a lot of things on on podcasts or they hear someone say and then I bought an apartment and then I went and did Airbnb just tell our listeners a little bit about what what are the things that you specifically you and your partner look at to make sure that it is Airbnb worthy for instance your your apartment becomes an Airbnb worthy and what are the things that you have paid attention to or what, what is the stem that you put on your apartments to make them worthy of a BNB guest? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think for us, we yeah. um, all, all our apartments are studio apartments or one-bedroom apartments. Oh, I see. And yeah. I think those lend themselves quite well to, to Airbnb. I've seen... Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen quite a few people who have, you know, two bedrooms or right. three bedroom apartments or houses, and it's much harder to find people on Airbnb find that come people. stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think from that from that perspective, our apartments uh, mm-hmm. suited the the market quite well. Um, okay. But what on the other hand, of it, mm-hmm. yeah, we we had to figure out like what uh, what price point we were going for, and so. Okay. You know the the way we kind of phrased it was, okay, like how much do we do we have to pay each month? You know, like what's our, our repayment on the bond? What are yeah. the rates and taxes? What are the levies? Right, right. Um, and if we were occupied 
for 50% of the days in, in a month, yeah. mm-hmm. what, what rate would we have to charge to, charge. to break mm-hmm. even? Mm-hmm. And so if we, could, if we could provide a good enough experience that we could um, get at least 15 days a month, we would, we would be fine. We'd be fine. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 great. So you know, like I'm saying, most people listen to a, to this podcast and then they hear someone says, and then I bought an apartment and then I Airbnb it, and what they don't see is there is a thinking that goes behind it. Right? You are already very realistic about occupation may not be 100%. Incidentally, for our listeners, uh, Thomas to be Vangile's current landlord, and she's on long-term, long-term stay in, in, in one of Thomas's apartments, which is great when you when you found someone who understands Airbnb and she was looking for a home in a long-stay home in, in, in that. That and the first thing that she said when she landed, she took a video to show us, I love this place, I love this place, right? Just the way you finish, the way you you've thought about how space is going to be utilized. The colors is something that you can just walk in and put your suitcase down and and you instantly love it, right? So the decor to figuring out the price to figuring out how much occupation you require for you to, I mean, all of that is a thinking. It's not something that happens by fluke, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely, um, I think part of it is calculation and part of it is, is risk-taking. Um, risk-taking, yeah. And I think, mm. I think it's important to do your due, due, diligence. due diligence. You, know, you don't want yeah. to, like to jump into it without any thought. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, mm-hmm. I think there's also a, a class of people that get stuck in, in, in the thought, you know, and you also need to t- take action. I, um, I like that. Oh, I, I want to underline that. Yeah, don't be stuck in the analysis of it because lots of doubting, lots of fears and lots of challenge, challenges, especially sticking with your strategy of Airbnb, given what COVID has done. We are in the third wave right now. And yeah. what what are you feeling? What what's your sense? Yeah, so in terms of, of Airbnb, it's it's actually been it's been okay. Um, I think the Airbnbs have kind of survived um, well after the hard lockdown of like no tourism, no no Airbnbs, I think they've actually been doing quite well. And I think yeah. there's I mean, we get a, a lot of guests that that are just tired of being at home. And just want to find a different place to to stay for two or three nights, um, and so you know, someplace in Joburg where you know the actual home is less than fifteen minutes away. Oh, um, do you have those? Is, really? Yeah. Short yeah. stayers who are locals. Yeah, actually, quite a lot of our our guests are are local, um, and it caught us by surprise as well. But um, there are those that travel. F- for, for business to Joburg, but there's also those yeah. that are just within Joburg and just went a weekend away. Mm-hmm. Do you think the, 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 the location of your apartments, do you think it, is this what makes it so lucrative and so attractive? Or um, So I, I have, so the, the Airbnbs that we manage are, are spread across three locations. So 
Um, four ways is one. The yeah. other is in the Wendywood area, which is you know close to Santon side. Right. And then the third area is Joburg's EBD. So um, oh, yeah. Marshall Town. And so mm-hmm. we have we have a couple of units spread across there. And so in terms of of one area being more lucrative than the other. Yeah. I think we found that we've been fairly occupied across all three areas. Across all of them. That's so yeah. so interesting to know, right? Oh yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So from the get-go, uh, Thomas, are you saying you were buying for cash flow? You the appreciation was an incidental thing, or you were just buying for cash flow for Airbnb? Was that was that where you were going? Yeah, so cash flow was was definitely the most important thing for me, and primarily because longer term I'm looking for financial freedom, and yeah. for that to be the case, I I need to have income that I can draw on when when time comes for me to leave my job, and so and so cash flow was was very important to me. Um, I don't think that means. I don't care about appreciation, but it's definitely not the primary thought. Um, and so actually it's probably worth speaking about the property I just acquired here in Cape Town. I've right. acquired that with an, another business partner of mine and okay. um, it's in the Brooklyn area, which is, which is kind of a, a lower class area um, mm. that I think, I think would scare a lot of property investors. Uh-huh. But and why aren't so, you scared? <laughs> I mean, Brooklyn yeah. is, is wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 pretty wild. And I think that I think the, the places that a lot of people don't want to go are also you know, places where there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I like that. Mm-hmm. One on the financial aspects of it, but also I think there's a great opportunity there um, to improve the lives of of people at fairly low cost. And so you'll have, you know, a bunch of people living in a very small property um, that are paying, you know, anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 rand in rent. 4,000, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that range, um, investing, you know, 20,000 rand into an apartment or into, into one of those units can be absolutely yeah. life-changing. Okay. And so in terms of having an impact on the people that stay stay in your property, I think there's a, there's a great opportunity there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Affordable, affordable housing with dignity really changes lots of people's lives. And there are, I mean, there are other young graduates who are your age who have moved to the higher end of Cape And you're not even talking about the very high end they absolutely cannot afford that rent, but they are also looking for some dignified place that they can afford to pay. And it really changes their lives. I, I, I really like that. So I, wanna, I want us to, to go back a bit on this Airbnb model that you guys have taken. So when, when you decided to go on the Airbnb model, does one do a 
deal analysis before you buy and do the deal analysis for Airbnb or do you do it after you've acquired the apartment? It is a very scary place for me to go to because I feel like it's an active strategy as well. I need to have a manager to come and meet the guests. I need to have a cleaning company to come in and clean the place. You you didn't feel like that was too busy for you for someone who is in a in a day job. Yeah, so so when we started Airbnb, um, I actually I so I stayed in one of the apartments and I used to be an on-site manager for the apartments. And so what would happen is we would have three apartments on 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 Airbnb, right. and when we would get a reservation. If it was for the unit that I was staying in, I would pack up all my stuff and, and then I would move. <laughs> and so, you know, we would have a lot of guests coming in and I would like move like every other day. And right, after I'd right. move, I would be, I'd be the one along with my, my wonderful partner. We would go and we would scrub the toilets, we would scrub the sh- sh- showers, we would mop, sweep, clean. Um, and it was, it, it was exhausting. Like, and of course, I, would, of course. I would be in a, in a in a meeting at work and holding my laptop in one hand while walking to the other apartment. And it was absolute craziness. And so we Has it did improved? that for, I hope it's been proved. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely improved. You know, I think we were aiming to, to keep our costs low, but also I think it's valuable to just be hands-on, you know, and when you're hands-on, you, you really learn a lot about you learn. how the business operates, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so I could see like, you know, cleaning is, is a hard job. And like it when is. I didn't clean clean one small part of the apartment, a guest would complain and be like, you know, now I know. Now I know that that's, that's really important. Yeah. And so while I was staying there, we ended up hiring uh, a full-time cleaner to come. And so I, I worked with her and, and trained her up to, to clean the, the apartments. Clean the apartments so away. Yeah. So you have a team now. So which, yeah. which, which other part of the team is, is incredibly important? Is it just the cleaning or is there someone else, some, some, somebody else who keeps your apartment really running smoothly? Yes, yeah, so I think the other part for Airbnb, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> The other part for Airbnb is um, the communication. So a lot of the communication happens online. So at least it doesn't require us to be there in person. Mm-hmm. And so we also ensured that we could do a self-check-in process. And it didn't yeah. require us to have an on-site person there to check in the guest. Mm-hmm. Now that obviously requires quite a bit of coordination and practice. Um, and so... You know, getting that process smooth took took a good few iterations. Yeah. Um, so the c- communication part is is super important. Super uh, important. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also worth like saying you know it, it's advisable to be close to the details where you can. And so one of the yeah. things that that we did when we started Airbnb was um, we took turns staying in the apartments um, because really? if. Yeah, if, if we couldn't stay there and, and we didn't know what the experience was like, how could we ask our guests to? You know? And so 
part of that obviously comes at a cost. You know, we can't have a guest stay there on the nights that we're there. Of course. But it keeps us calibrated on, on what a good customer experience is. Customer experience is. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. That, that is incredible. That's exactly, I mean, you, it, it does feel like. So you've got to experience your own business. It's like if you own a restaurant, you must taste all the dishes. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's amazing. So um let's let's talk about this tribe. Let's finish it off. You said you've got a cleaning company that does, but you've relied on the communication, um, communication for the Airbnb. You use mostly your mobile phone and the Airbnb software, or is there any other? Yeah. Primarily it's that. And then, you know, we also call the guests, for example, okay. if, if they're having issues. Um, okay. I think I think the the voice communication is is super important because you want to have that human c- connection. You know, yeah. if people are, are texting, it feels very disconnected when they're talking to a business. A yeah. 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 So when a person okay. calls them, I think they feel much more, uh, particularly in the in the hospitality industry, I think making people feel like there's a human connection there is, is really important. And so really, really calling important. guesses is helpful. That's, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's incredible. Is that how you and Vanilla got to talk? Because as far as I'm concerned, she's supposed to book on Airbnb, find the key, get into the apartment, that's it. And then she lives there until she decides she's going to go. And... Um, so it was part of the communication that made you actually meet and have the human experience. Yeah. So so when she um, when she stayed in my apartment when she moved in, um, I'd actually stayed there just prior to her, and so okay. mm-hmm. in the process, I I was training up uh, the groundskeeper of the complex to, to help manage it, and so he would keep the keys and then he would greet greet guests when they when they come in um and so i think Vangile in that in that unit in particular was i think our ninth or tenth guest there um and actually the unit that she's staying in i when i purchased that i actually didn't purchase it for 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 airbnb either i right i purchased Uh it as like a second home for me because when i come up to to joburg i'd be staying in hotels or, or airbnbs and so i kind of wanted a place that i could just keep there um because i was traveling so often that you know it made financial sense to to have an apartment there you have an apartment awesome mm-hmm. yeah and so um me and my partner spent a good i don't know four or five weeks re- renovating that place inside and really? out um yeah, it, it was a very old, old unit. And so it is an old building. It, I know it for yeah. over 25 years. I know that particular street that it is on. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. it's an old building, but I think that I thought there was good opportunity there to invest, invest a little bit of money and, and really improve it a lot. Um, and so we got it up to a standard that I would be happy to stay in. And I stayed there for, you know, more than a month or so. Okay. And then I put on Airbnb because I decided to come back to Cape Town and work from here. From there. Okay. Awesome. This is great. This is great. Um, so in, in, in the 
process of finding these properties? Did you use a lot of um, relationships or how did you find your properties? Where do you find properties, Thomas? Where, do you, where is your source? I just shared on a live yesterday, actually, incidentally, I see that I had never shared with my with my mentees where I find properties. It's very interesting to discover how other investors find their properties. Can you share with our listeners where, where, where do you where do you find these properties? Everyone tells you, no, it's always yeah, one bed apartment studio, 900,000. But where do you find yours? Yeah, so I, I think uh, typical avenues still apply. So, you know, I'll do my normal checks on property 24 yeah. or private property. Um, and more, more recently, if mm-hmm. there's an agent that has that I've worked with in the past, if they reach out to me, that might be useful. Um, although to be honest, I, I've found very few agents that I've, I've stuck with for a long period of time. Um, and so that, that hasn't been been great, but for the most part, it's finding properties online and then, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll pull up reports on the property and look at the transfer history, look at the previous sales prices, um, figure out what the market value of it is and see if it's a good investment. Okay, and online is quite easy for you because you live there, right? That's 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 your space. I have found, incidentally, repeat agents is my is my greatest source. Really, I don't have to. I don't have to look. I really hardly ever have to look. I look because as a property investor, your eyes are always cast on what's what's selling, what's new, what but. Any deal I've put an offer on it has always been a repeat agent. It's always been. So that's, that's, that's very interesting. And um, what is the future looking like for your portfolio? Are you staying in Airbnb? Are you thinking of changing strategies or adding a strategy? If, if it is, what strategy are you looking at? That's a good good question. Um, mm. I think that uh, look when when I buy properties now, mm-hmm. um, what what I'm looking for is a property that will teach me something new, and so okay. I prefer to not you know keep buying this same property yeah. again and again because you know I'm not going to learn learn much more, okay. and so. When I take on a, a new property, I'm hoping that there's a challenge attached with it that I can learn something. Okay. Um, and so, more recently, I've been looking at you know multifamily properties, and yeah. so that um, I think helps with two things. One is in terms of resilience. I think having multiple tenants means that if, yeah. if one tenant stops paying, you're you're not you know you're stuffed. Mm. You, yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. Um, so going for for more multifamily properties is what I'm aiming for now. And okay. then the next step for me is um, property development. Yeah, you're ready now. Yeah, <laughs> you feel I think a little so. ready now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's that's the next step. Yeah, um, and so I've been exploring uh, towards the end of last year. Looked looked around the KZN area. I think there's okay. there's quite a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. So Hannesberg still has a lot of opportunity and we could actually improve on the quality of the multi, multi-family units that exist right now. Yeah. yeah. South of Johannesburg is great. I, I really like. So do you belong to a property network at all, um, Thomas, besides your new partner in Cape Town and the partner that you've been investing with? Do you hang out in meetups somewhere in property where lots of discussion happens? I don't actually. And that's one of the things that has been on my mind for, for quite a while is like, how do I go about building this? property network you know i'm i'm still very young and you know and you've yeah. been in property for you know just over two years now two and so years now. Mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. the connections that yeah. i need to keep growing is is going to be a challenge um yeah. if you have ideas there I'm, I'm i'm very interested to to hear them absolutely i i can tell you now that i've i've been in three hangouts on clubhouse where we speak about about properties and i am i'm probably going to be a sourcing agent for people sitting in the uk they know that our returns are extremely good uh, they've been calculating and seeing all sorts of deals that go upwards of 18% 22% so great place to start and we, we are taking our podcast um, highlights to Clubhouse to exactly that, stimulate networks and different networks because there are lots of people in the diaspora who want to, who, to invest in South Africa. There are other people who are sitting on money. And if you are wanting to escalate your, to, 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 to grow your portfolio, that's another way of doing it. So I've, I've found that Clubhouse is great and we are in the third wave, so I'm not even thinking about a person-to-person network, but that's just one of those because, you know, you are online, so you can do that very easily. But there are lots of, there are lots of places. I, am, I host meetups online um, once a month now. I have one coming up on Saturday. I host meetups and I find that it, 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 it forces people together and then people who are like-minded. And this Saturday, we are only talking property stock fell. That's where you find the money. And that's how most people have found deals. I was hosting another one on the Section 12J, another mechanism of financing. And again, it forced people together and people are co-investing suddenly. So network. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd, I'd love to join. I think, no, I think that'd be a great lovely. place to meet people. No, it is amazing. And you find that we are at different levels. We are at different levels financially. We are at different levels in terms of experience. But it's great. It's a great time to just listen in sometimes. You don't even have to contribute on Clubhouse sometimes. You sit in the two people or three people who are conversing. They throw ideas around and suddenly you are introduced to something new find it very helpful. But this is great. This is this has been amazing. I want you to give me an idea a little bit, Thomas, for someone who's sitting at home and listening to this podcast, and they're like, but why would he stay with the Airbnb? What sort of, you do not have to give me your specific income that you make, but what sort of returns does one make from a studio apartment that's 50% occupied, in the area of Renbeck or Sentin or Four Ways, what what sort of what sort of ballpark figure does one make out of 
80% occupied um, rental, uh, short-term rental on Airbnb. And why does it make sense to you? Sure. Yeah, I, um, I think it's worth saying that the, the income varies heavily and it varies heavily, one, because the price range can, can vary drastically, right? I mean, you can have a oh, studio okay. apartment in yeah. Santon that's renting at, you know, 500 rand a night, or you can have one that's renting at 1,200 rand a night. So depending on, oh, okay. on where you're at, the range right. is, is quite wide. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I think it's also like, like if you have tenants that come and stay for, for longer periods of time, typically you give them a discount. And so that, that affects your income. Ah, now, okay. to, to be more like specific and concrete, like if you, if you were to look at, I'll take the always area, Okay. because that's that's where i have units um yeah one of our units there we purchased for you know 580k okay. and the repayments on that is is roughly around like 5,000 5, and the mm-hmm. levies are, are two well levies and rates and taxes let's say are 2,500 yeah now at um 50 occupied we able to to break even and so in, in in a good month you could expect you know if you're fully occupied to earn anywhere up to you know 14 or 15 thousand rand a month of, of that one apartment okay. um now obviously there's also the possibility that you're not very occupied and so you know mm. you have to be comfortable with that risk um mm. so that's kind of like the variation there variation that you but i think i think that's very real when you say it, it, it really varies. Did you find that um, the peak periods, December and right now in winter, does it, that, is there any difference for the four-ways area specifically? Yeah, so it's definitely a, a big peak in December. So, I mean, I think in December we were, I think, like 95% occupied, mm. uh, which is, you know, really, really high. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that, yes. was, that was great. <laughs> um, but obviously, we've also had had months where we've been, you know, you were 30 empty. or 40 percent, yeah, which sure, is yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. much harder to deal with. Okay, so that was a recovery for this December. It was really a recovery more than really just making money, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you are in such a strategy, do you chase finishing off your mortgage, or how 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 do you view chasing and 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 closing off from mortgage? Yeah, so we we've taken the stance of um, maintaining high leverage, and so we we aren't aiming okay. to pay off our our bonds yeah. too yeah. soon. Um, yeah. we'd rather keep that capital available because investing that back into the business can can yield yeah. higher returns there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Clever strategy as well. Well, I don't know if there's any any additional thing you want to tell to tell us about, about your journey, challenges, doubts, fears, financial problems, none of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess if if people who who are, are, are listening are more interested in the in the Airbnb side of things. Mm-hmm. I think it's also worth saying, you know, it's it's not all sunshine and roses. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. we've had some you know terrible guests as well who 
have you know ruined our apartments or oh, uh, yeah. ruined yeah. our bed sheets, st- stolen oh, stuff man. from us. So yeah. It, yeah. it is it is a headache, um, and so you have to be prepared to to deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. It's also it's also worth highlighting that um, when you're purchasing a property for, for Airbnb, if it's in a a sectional title, you, you should check that the body corporate rules actually allow it. Um, that's oh, that's yes. also important. Oh, in, yes. the, in the current climate, it's there's a lot of um, body corporates that are now trying to ban Airbnbs. So you should should make sure that the place that you're investing actually does allow it. Mm. You know, I don't want to talk about body corporates right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you had a bad experience? <laughs> oh, I just get tired. You know, my whole energy gets tired. Um, episode 81, we had a guest who took us through rules and regulations of sectional, uh, sectional owning and, and, and very, very informative episode. I really like it. And I think you, you've brought on something that we actually forgot to explore with him. It was very good with Vusi of Property Link. So very very important for people who are listening because they they may think it's that easy but thomas this has been such an informative um little piece of 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 podcast thank you so so much don't go away because i want us to carry on to the next segment of the show which is we we really want to get to know you a little bit more so just hang 10 for me On to the next segment of our show, Magical Feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Welcome, property magicians. This is um, the segment of the show called um, the Magical Feedback. This is where Vanilla and I normally would share our three takeaways so that um, this just ignites most of our listeners really, really thrive on this magical feedback because this is where they learn or where we reiterate what we took away from the podcast. And Vanille will, 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 will have her own three takeaways. I have my three takeaways. And what I find in, in, in your comment sections on Podbean and iTunes especially, I find that there are listeners who put their own takeaways. We love that. Please keep doing that. This feedback is for you. What did you learn? What did you take away from the episode? I'm going to share my three or four. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to share my takeaways from uh, Thomas's podcast. Wasn't that incredible? I love it. I really, really um, thrive on things like this. Alrighty, my first takeaway from Thomas's um, podcast is, I think I'm oh, taken aback by the fact that a 20-year-old was already thinking about property investing. He was very clear that he's not going to remain in a job. He is at a good job. He says it plays well, but he already knew that a job is not something that he wants to be in for a lifetime. He's looking for financial freedom. So in month number 10, 20-year-old was already depositing his first investment property, right? So that for me is 
a huge, huge lesson for any millennial that's listening or the Generation G that's listening to say, yes, absolutely, you can start as early as you can. And if you, if you can, educate yourself early, listen to other people who've been in the game for longer and start doing what you need to do. You cannot, cannot be doing things the way the generation like mine did, where you start by dying expensive cars and you get yourself in debt before you start your, your property um, journey. So that was my first takeaway. And I think this is a takeaway for millennials and for all of us. I really like that. And then my second, <laughs> this is a favorite for a property mentor. My second takeaway from this podcast is that the very mentor and business partner that Thomas has, who is much older than Thomas, wanted to start buying pieces of land and building or developing pieces of land. And Thomas was like, mm, that sounds a bit too much for me. I like that. I like the fact that he knew that that sounded too much for him and he didn't go into it. Well, as a property mentor, I always say, please, if you can, postpone the development, the advanced strategy. But if you've got someone that you partner with who has got experience in development, that's a totally different story. But we, we normally say, if you are starting with a strategy and you are going to start with development as a, as a newbie investor, that can be so harsh, that can discourage so many people. And that's why at PropDocMom, I literally discourage anyone. Some people come to the PropDocMom mentorship and they already have a piece of land. That's a totally different thing. We teach you how to navigate that so that you minimize and you risk mitigate the amount of time you're going to spend learning on the development while you are trying to build a property portfolio. So I really like that. I really like that. My takeaway number three, I have absolutely cornered this one because I am conflicted about whether this will be my last one or not. Let's just try it, right? So um, when, you, when one is going into the Airbnb strategy, one needs to be clear who do they want to cater for and how they're going to cater for them, right? So um, Thomas gave us some, some key points on how they have thought about it. You may adopt the Airbnb strategy, but you may do it differently from him, right? They've chosen studio apartments. They also figure out the price point already. They know exactly how much bond and what type of levies they are going to, to pay. And they already think out of the box about if we buy a 500K apartment, how much bond and levies are we going to pay? And how many times will the apartment be used? Will we be able to raise that amount of money to either break even or to make some money? So they already know what rate, what sort of rate they are going to charge, right? And I like the fact that they think about the styling 
of the apartment as well. They already know how they are going to renovate and style it and they keep it standard so that they don't go all over the place. So that's how you risk mitigate. You don't go buy something and then think afterwards what the rate is going to be. They work it out before they make an offer. During deal analysis and due diligence, what area is this apartment at? They buy studio apartments. I mean, other people have got two bedroom apartments and family homes that they Airbnb sure. But what they found is that studio apartments are easy to rent out. And you heard him say, he has got a lot of short stayers who are locals. Some people get tired of their homes or relations are too strained or whatever. So the studio apartments are a good stopgap for people who are in transit and they use it as a short stay. And he finds that most locals use his apartments. So there you are. You think about your strategy first. And while you are buying, you buy with your strategy in mind and your pricing is already in mind. You don't do it as an per accident. Oh, uh, maybe I'll charge 400. Oh, maybe I'll charge 700. You think about it long before. I, I really like that. I really like that. Okay. So I am going to go on to the fourth strategy just because I can. Angela is not here. You would have had six places. Um, you would have had uh, six takeaways if she was here. So here is my, <clears throat> my next um, takeaway from this. Thomas has got a new partner in Cape Town that he's bought an apartment with in a suburb called Brooklyn. It's a lower end suburb. It is what we call an a, a B or an A class suburb in Cape Town. And he says, places where people don't go is sometimes exactly where opportunity lies. Absolutely, absolutely. And only when you've become a property investor do you know that exactly where people are not going, you need to go and scratch a little bit more. And he has decided that this particular property that they have bought, they've bought it for impact. They want to impact the communities that are around. They want to refurbish it into a livable and decent space, even if it is at a lower rental. Because really, just because people are poorer, they can't, they cannot afford a rental of 10,000, doesn't mean they have to live in squalor. I really liked his approach to affordable housing which is why I do it as well. Affordable housing really needs to be decent. And the more we can move to that, and probably um, we can be recognized for, for, for improving people's lives, right? Yeah, just because someone lives in Brooklyn doesn't mean they don't have to have a clean, beautiful apartment to live in. So that was my takeaway number four. I've got a fifth take away that and the reason why I like doing the that I've decided I'm wanting to do this takeaway with you is that I teach it a lot in the prop dogma mentor mentorship and it is something that I really really like um, <clears throat> so 
Thomas talks about the Airbnb, how they started the Airbnb. They were doing self-management. He found himself scrubbing the showers, changing the linens, taking the complaints, and even welcoming the guests. But that didn't deter him in the strategy, as you can see, because they, there was money to be made and they were very focused about their business. He knows exactly what is involved in the business of making sure that the Airbnb works. Yeah, He has learned all the things from the complaints that the guests would bring to him. He has learned how to train their cleaning person. He has learned how to communicate with the guests and he has moved to the self-check-in process. And you can only learn these things once you've done your own property management. There is lots to be learned in doing the things that you need to do right up front, right? So whenever you adopt any strategy, whether it's a multi-led strategy, whether it's a single family strategy, whether it's an Airbnb, sometimes you will be forced to do things that you never thought you could do, like painting the paving or changing the lock yourself <laughs> or, or coming and uh, come, come, coming in with the plumber so that you can stop a leaking tear. <clears throat> in, that, in that opportunity of learning, that's how you will know next time how not to do it or what to tell your, your plumber to look at when, when they come to look at, 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 at your at your apartment and what to inspect for when, when a guest leaves or when one of your tenants leaves. I really thought that was a very valuable um, takeaway. I've got 10 other takeaways, by the way. I have got all of them underlined and all the books that, that are underlined, but I'm going to leave it here. It is quite strenuous to be a host and a co-host on the same day. I wish Bangile was here, but I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I hope it has inspired you to adopt the strategy of Airbnb. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So welcome to the next segment of the show, Thomas. Thank you for sticking around. I love this section, particularly, we call it the journey to magical expansion. These are the same five personal questions we ask every guest on our show to help us understand how you create money magic and how you expand with ease. So tell me, Thomas, I don't know if you are a reader. It's fine if you are not. Tell me, um, have you got a book that changed your life? Is there any particular book that you could share with our listeners that has changed your life? It can yeah, be a business I, book, property book, fairy tale, anything. <laughs> um, a book that comes to mind is The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. Um, it's, okay. it's a book that's kind of like a compilation of uh, business-related principles that, that you would learn in a typical MBA, mm-hmm. um, which I think for it's a lot of people who... who? Uh, Josh Kaufman. I okay. can spell it for you if you want. Um, Please do. Yeah, so Josh and then K-A-U-F-M-A-N. Oh, Kaufman. Yes, I see. Yeah. All right, Kaufman. Okay, the personal MBA. What does it entail? 
Yeah, so it's kind of like a, a collection of, of a bunch of things that you would learn in a typical MBA. And okay. I think for, for me in particular, not being familiar with, with business, not having formal, formal education in it, um, having the fundamentals you know, c- concisely conveyed was, was super useful to me. Um, okay. And so it's a book that I frequently reference and I go back to. Um, so yeah, I would highly, highly recommend that one. Okay, that's awesome. Okay. No one has ever mentioned that one on our on, on our podcast. Everyone goes to Rich Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But that's so, so good to know that there is a because you need to understand how to build cash flow from whatever, right? And you need to understand systems and managing. So I I I'm sure I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna find it. So Thomas, what keeps you inspired? What keeps what, me inspired? What, what makes you wake up and think we're doing the next Airbnb? Yes, we're buying another property. Yeah, it's a, uh, also a good question. I think I I thrive a bit on the discomfort, and so when there's an opportunity to take a bit of risk, I like to mm-hmm. like to grab at it. Um, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. complacency drives me a bit crazy. You know, if I'm <laughs> staying still for too long. I think my hands started to twitch and I need to, I need to do something. Um, whether that's property or, or, you know, other hands-on things, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, re- I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Is it? Is it? Okay. So building a new, build, building new systems and finding new things to do. I like that. I like that. I'm sure it's going to change as you grow older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you wish you had known or done before embarking on your property investment journey? Are there things that you think, mm, I wish someone had told me this before? Yeah. Um, I guess when I bought my first property, I bought it in a partnership. And so we had, we had co-signed the offer to purchase and, you know, we have. Right. Right. Both our names names on there, and actually, I think a preferable structure would probably have been to buy through a company of sorts, company. Um, which I've now learned and and I'm now doing with my future properties. And my most recent purchase was through a company as awesome. well. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Bold italics, underlined, and in red. Never to buy it on on your personal name. Yeah, absolutely. And what yeah. else do you think you still need to learn in property? Are there things that you are lining up that you think you need to learn? And so much. There's, I don't know, like so much depth in property to, to go into. I think the, the thing I'm aiming for now is learning a bit more about development and construction and seeing, seeing if I can go into that space. Absolutely. Absolutely. You said but that was a wise move as a newbie investor not to go into development. Um, so my last question for you is, what property resource do you want to share with our listeners? It can be a book, a podcast, a YouTube video, or any other resource that you, you use. What sure, do you think? I think the, the, the resource I use quite frequently when I'm investing is I'm sure it's been mentioned here already, but in case it hasn't, is um, Lightstone Property. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Super useful Mm -hmm. resource to pull up some reports on a property that you might be interested in purchasing. Yeah. Um, Gives gives us a ton of insights. 
So I use that very often. Very often. Okay. What do you use it for? For pricing or what else do you use it for? Um, I typically use it uh, for negotiation. And so yeah. what, what I'll do is I'll pull down a report for property and see what the current owner purchased it at. Yeah. And so I can get an idea of, of what would like where they would be comfortable. And, you know, obviously yeah. people want to make a, a of profit um, take into account where we are. Um, I can, I can see where the, where the lowest I can go is. And that's, that's very useful. Yeah. yeah. So that you are not ridiculously ridiculous as well, isn't it? When you offer. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is, this is so great. Um, I, I really like that. So Thomas, uh, people um, who who are sitting in other provinces and listening to this, where do they find your apartments? It's just Airbnb. Are they called anything? Yeah, so they're under a brand called Nomadify. So that's N-O-M-A-D-I-F-Y. Nomadify. Yeah. So For nomads. So our, okay. Yeah. So for, for people <laughs> who... To move frequently, um, yeah. Please come, give us a visit. We'd, we'd love to meet you. Nomadify. That's how they must find you. And can people contact you, or have you got a website or telephone number that I can take down? Yeah, sure. So my phone number is zero seven two zero seven two Eight, absolutely. And this is Thomas of Nomadify. Thomas, you've been such a great resource. You know what I wanted to ask you about Lightstone? As a property investor, do you subscribe or do you use it as and when you, you are buying a property? How do you manage your Lightstone account? Um, so I currently buy once-off reports. I, I don't oh, you buy subscribe. Okay. But... Uh, that that might change soon because I mean I'm using it quite frequently and so frequently. Mm-hmm. it makes makes a bit more sense to, no, to subscribe. It is and it's quite cheap. I mean it really is cheap for for but if you are pulling more than 10 reports like I do and on behalf of mentees, it is quite it's much, much cheaper to do it monthly. So awesome. Yeah. Thomas, this has been such a great interview and I am yeah. so so heartened to know that you you went through a strategy and you stuck with it even at the hardest time. And COVID is one of those, um, one of our listeners asked us to please ask everyone about COVID because, you know, the, <laughs> the, ro- the romance of investing in property can be taken out by things like the pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. As you say, people stealing your, your equipment or furniture or pieces of, of, of furniture or ruining your stuff can really take out the the, the romance in, in, in investing. So thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of our listeners and on behalf of my incredible host, Bangile. Thank you again for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you've been gracious. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Bangile Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help 
people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at miranda at wealthy-money.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.